We all have that friend who wakes up early to go get everyone McDonald's breakfast while the rest of us sleep in. This is your sign to thank them. And if you're that friend, this is us saying thank you. Now get a sausage McMuffin, sausage biscuit, sausage burrito, or hash browns. Choose two for $2.50. Enjoy a large iced coffee for just $2. Price of participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. All Hit Radio. Zone, a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality. Now, here's your host, Rob McConnell. In this edition of the X Zone Radio TV show, Rob McConnell's guest is John Milor. John Milor is an author of 11 published books and is mostly known for his pioneer research in the emerging field of Christian ufology, which is a combination of ancient astronaut research, and end times prophecy, from a Christian worldview. He has been researching this field for the past 25 years. John's interest in understanding the paranormal began at the age of five, after hearing his great-grandmother's tale of seeing a UFO about 100 years ago. His great-grandmother's tale is unique because she was an exceptionally devout Christian, the wife of a Pentecostal minister for over 50 years. This story and many other otherworldly encounters in his family, have fueled John's quest to research the paranormal. Then when he reached the age of 21, he had a vision that changed his life, and he became a devout Christian. Now John seeks to reconcile all his paranormal research with a Christian worldview. John's latest book, Christian Ufology, was recently selected to be featured in the New York Times. Christian Ufology uses the Bible to explain that ETs are in fact real, and they do come from other planets, but that's only part of the story. The Bible also informs us of the big picture regarding the competing agendas of ETs, both good and evil, dating to the ancient past, our present, and the near and distant future. John draws from an extensive academic background. He has two associate degrees, a bachelor, and two master degrees. He also serves in the military as a chief master sergeant, and he is the chief of cyber operations for the United States Western Air Defense Sector. Regarding his military service, he wants it to be crystal clear, no branch of the military officially endorses any of his books. For more information visit John's website, www.christianufology.net. To listen to all past interviews from the X-Zone radio TV show with Rob McConnell, visit www.xzoneuniverse.com. From the master control, studios and corporate offices of Relmar McConnell Media Company, and the X-Zone Broadcast Network, in Crystal Beach, Ontario, Canada, on the shores of Lake Erie, I am, Craig West. Now, here is the host, executive producer and creator of the X-Zone Radio TV show, Rob McConnell. 
And thank you very much, Craig. Welcome back to the Exxon. I am Rob McConnell, coming to you from our broadcast center in Crystal Beach, Ontario, Canada. If you'd like to send me an email, exxon at exxonradiotv.com. On all social media sites, TV. For the broadcast schedule of the X-Zone Broadcast Network, www.xzbn.net, where all the programming that we have on the Exxon Broadcast Network is totally, 100%, at all times free. No subscription, no surprises. You hear the entire show. Once again, www.xzbn.net. And for the Exxon TV channel on Simul TV, www.simultv.com. As Craig was saying, our guest this hour is John Myler. And uh, John, welcome back to the Exxon. Always great talking to you. Thank you. Thank you for having me on. Uh, let me see. You're, you, you know, um, when was the last time you were on? About two, three years ago, I believe. Yeah, I, I wrote one in uh, 2017, mm-hmm. The Strong Delusion. Right. Uh, and uh, since then, uh, I've been working on this new one called Christian UFOlogy, uh, which is, um, it is uh, second edition to Aliens and the Antichrist basically, but it also includes elements of the strong delusion and then some new material, some of the articles and stuff that I've written uh, and a little bit of new research compiled in it to update it. Now, now, you, briefly, Craig mentioned the, the your grandmother's, your I'm sorry, your great-grandmother's UFO sighting, uh, which you explained the last time you were on the show. But for our new listeners who have been who have joined the Exxon Broadcast Network as well as our many affiliates around the world. Can you tell us, share with us, your great-grandmother's sighting again, please? Uh, sure. Uh, this dates back to uh, early 1900s, mm-hmm. like around probably 1910, around then. Uh, she said that uh, she and her sister were uh, on the plains of Kentucky, and they lived way out in the middle of nowhere. Uh, they had never seen an automobile or any kind of, like, technology like that. So while we had airplanes back then, she had never seen one. And she'd never even seen anything with polished aluminum before. So when she and her sister uh, saw this spaceship, uh, well, aerial craft flying by, it had no wings or anything. It was a cigar-shaped uh she said it looked like polished aluminum. It was mm-hmm. just bright, silvery, shiny uh, thing that was flying across the plains. It had a bubble on the top, and she could see the person inside. Wow. That's how close she was. Uh, they were both looking at this thing, just cruising along uh, silently, hovering uh, maybe 30 to 40 feet above the ground. And uh, it reached these bluffs, and when it reached the bluffs, it shot off into the sky and and like was gone in the snap of a finger. And she said it made a weird sound when it, when it disappeared, uh, like a zing sound that she said. So she made this uh, sound effect for it. But the, the backstory to that was uh, the whole family was there at the house. So like a bunch of members of the family were there at the house uh, on that occasion. And I was only five years old. Um, but she was just quietly reading the newspaper as everybody was in there uh, visiting and uh, she suddenly dropped the newspaper and said, I have an announcement to make. And uh, everybody was quiet and looked at her, and she said, look at this article. And so she started to read this article in the newspaper, 
about this wild goose chase between a UFO and some police. And uh, the content of that article, I remember it. It sounded like part of that movie, uh, Close Encounters of the, the Third Kind. Right. And With the Richard time frame is yeah. really close to that because this was 1975. Mm -hmm. So uh, I think this article actually preceded that movie. And I don't know where they got the idea for that movie, uh, but it could have very well been because I remember it was very close to that story that there were cop cars chasing this UFO uh, around the countryside in Madeira. And uh, so after she read the story in the newspaper, she dropped the newspaper and she said, when I was 17, year old, 17 years old, uh, I saw a UFO. And everybody was like looking at her like, what? And you got to understand my grandma, uh, that would be kind of out of context for her because she, you know, wife of a minister for 50 years, uh, very mm -hmm. devout, read the Bible every day. One day I asked her, how many times, I always see you reading the Bible. Aren't you going to finish the book? And she said she <laughs> was on her 20, 27th reading of it. So uh, they were involved in ministry. They, they handed cards out, and they did uh, intercessory prayers for people at their church. Um, they traveled all over the United States when they were younger. Uh, my grandpa was a minister. And um, so... She was just like totally consumed with God. If the TV was on, it was gospel. If the radio was playing, it was gospel music. Um, just everything about her life was about Jesus. So for her to just pop out with this, you know, when I saw I saw a UFO when I was a young girl, and she said, I don't care what people think. Those things are real. And so everybody was just left to think like, oh, okay, Grandma, you know, and what do you do with that? And I just remember it was so silent you could hear a pin drop, and I was asking my mom tons of questions on the way home about what UFOs were because that just really piqued my curiosity. Uh, whatever they were, it had to be kind of interesting to get that kind of response. And um, so she explained it like, well, you know how Star Trek has these, you know, different things that are out there? Well, UFO would be like, that's real. So... Um, that's kind of just how I understood it, and I always kind of just believed it since that point that there had to be something real to it. Because my grandma saw it, and she wouldn't sure. lie about something like that. There's just no reason, you know. And um, pretty pretty intriguing story. It, it certainly is. It certainly is. And, and John, have you yourself seen a UFO? Uh, I have seen a glowing ball of light in the jungle in Panama. And um, I believe I talked about that too. I mentioned it in this book here. Um, so it's not the size of what you would consider UFO. It was about the size of a soccer ball. And I wasn't alone when I saw it. There were multiple people that witnessed it. Uh, at my particular guard duty, uh, I was in the jungle. This was during the Panamanian conflict. Mm -hmm. I was uh, on guard duty in the jungle. Um, with uh, one of the corporals who was my team leader, and this guy was a terror. Um, they teased me relentlessly for always talking about paranormal things, and so I used this moment to get back at him uh, because this thing came out of the jungle flashing on and off as it went, and uh, it stopped at our position. And I was really excited about it, and uh, I woke him up because it was his turn for guard duty. This was actually during the Panamanian conflict uh, in 1990, 
in Panama. So we're out in the jungle and I wake him up and there's this glowing ball of light that's intermittently flashing on and off about, it would flash about every 30 seconds or so. And it was brighter than a camera flash and about the size of a soccer ball. Wow. So it wasn't ball lightning because I knew at that time even ball lightning zips around erratically until yeah. it hits something and diffuses. And it wasn't uh, swamp gas. Uh, that's not that bright, and it doesn't uh, flash on and off like a camera flash. I had night vision goggles. I looked in the area that I saw it floating. It was about 30 feet above the ground, about 30 to 40 feet away from me, and it kept moving closer, and then when it got maybe 30 feet away, it stopped up in the trees, and it kept flashing on and off in that spot. Do you think like it, it was observing do you, do you think it was huh? trying to communicate with you because it was flashing on and off? Well, I wanted to test that. Right. Um, so uh, I mentioned to the corporal, <laughs> he was terrified and uh, kind of coming up with excuses. Oh, maybe it's a laser from the one of the ships in the Gulf. And I said, nope, lasers use line of sight. This thing's down in the trees. It's definitely not a laser. And it's not any kind of, they didn't have drones back then like they do now. Yeah. But it wasn't making any noise. It was completely silent. I had ANPVS-7 night vision goggles. Uh, I could not see it with the night vision goggles. It was completely invisible and completely silent when it was not flashing. Wow. So I told him, this thing is acting sentient. It's acting alive because it came from out of the jungle and it stopped right here and it's staying here. So I walked into the middle of the clearing and I, uh, against a direct order from uh, my corporal, uh, he was freaking out, and then he backed away from me because he didn't want to get killed. And I told him, this thing, it probably could have killed us already if it wanted to. Uh, plus, I had my M60 uh, and a bunch of rounds of ammunition and a radio with a bunch of lithium batteries and a six-foot antenna, and this thing was not going for any of that. Uh, if it was electrical, uh, I would imagine it should have you know, been attracted to the, all that metal exactly. and the batteries, yeah. but it didn't. It just stayed there in its spot. So I walked out into a clearing and I said, uh, I mean, you no harm, you know, and, uh, you know, just rehearsing uh, Captain James T. Kirk, you know. And uh, I said, uh, we're here in peace. We mean you no harm. Uh, uh, I would just like to know who you are. Um, Could you please reveal yourself to me? And uh, so then I just was quiet for a minute and this weird feeling came over me like almost like a lightheadedness and i suddenly felt this presence moving toward me all right we're going to have to have a bit of a cliffhanger here because i've got to take my break john interesting story all right john myler's our guest of this hour exo nation and we're going to be talking to john about his new book that's coming out soon uh as well as uh, a lot of other interesting topics that we can talk to john about His next book is called Christian Ufology, and it's coming out shortly, and we're going to be talking to John about this UFO experience, as well as the connection between UFOs and the Bible. Don't go away. We all have that friend who wakes up early to go get everyone McDonald's breakfast while the rest of us sleep in. This is your sign to thank them. And if you're that friend, this is us saying thank you. 
Now get a sausage McMuffin, sausage biscuit, sausage burrito, or hash browns. Choose two for $2.50. Enjoy a large iced coffee for just $2. Price of participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Back to the Exxon. I am Rob McConnell. This weekend, my friends, is Valentine's Day. Have you gone out and got your Valentine a box of chocolates, a card, flowers? Well, if you haven't, you've got two days left. Today is Friday. Tomorrow is Saturday. The stores are open. And of course, whenever you go out, make sure that you follow the guidelines that are in place by your local government and health um, uh, health department when it comes to the COVID situation that we are all facing around the world. And you know, if you can't get out, uh, it's always neat to make a card, take a piece of paper, fold it in half, do a nice little drawing on the front of the card, do it from the heart. And then on the inside, tell the person that you're giving this Valentine Day card exactly what's in your heart and what they mean to you. And how important they are and, and how much you love them. And you watch when you give that to them, Valentine's Day. It's going to mean so much to them that you took the time and that you, you yourself, designed this card, wrote the what's inside, and signed your name. Then come the chocolates. Hey, listen. People can call out at their local restaurant and get a nice dinner delivered. There's plenty of things that you can do. So whether it is your mom, your dad, your brother, your sister, your husband, your wife, your significant other, your children, your grandchildren, please do not forget them. This past year has been, if you'll excuse the expression, John, hell on earth. So many people, so many people have, uh, you know, have given up so much. Please, don't forget them on Valentine's Day. Let them know that they are loved and that the love that you have for them is from your heart. John Myler is our special guest. Uh, one of his, a couple of his websites, uh, ChristianUfology.net, AliensAndTheAntichrist.com, TheStrongDelusion.net, AliensInTheBible.com. And he also has a, a Facebook page. Facebook.com forward slash John Mylar, and that's J-O-H-N-M-I-L-O-R, and of course on Amazon. John, uh, before we went to the commercial break, we were you were telling us about the the globe of light that you encountered that was the size of a of a, uh, of a soccer ball in the jungles of Panama. And uh, you, when we last were talking to you, you were telling us about how you tried to communicate with this with this object so take it from there would you yeah uh 
Okay, so uh, I sort of opened myself up. Uh, I introduced myself, and uh, I told uh, this thing mm -hmm. uh, that uh, I came in peace, and uh, I meant no harm. And uh, as proof, I disarmed myself. I set my M60 down uh, and distanced myself from it. Because it's kind of hard to say that you come in peace when you're wearing a... <laughs> 7.6223-pound chunk of machine gun. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, uh, this thing, I felt this overwhelming presence, mm -hmm. and it's that same feeling of being watched, but oh. like multiplied by a thousand. This thing was really powerful, whatever it was, and I felt it moving straight for me. And I started backing up, and I was saying to the corporal, uh, mm -hmm. it's coming toward me. It's coming toward me. I don't know how I know, but I, it's coming toward me. And I was kind of freaking out because the feeling that this thing emanated was really powerful. Oh and uh, I kind of just kind of scrunched my shoulders, you know, and, and this thing flew right over the top of my head. I could feel it. and uh, And it went behind me. And uh, I lifted up the night vision goggles, and I did a 180. I spun around, and I said, I don't know how I know, but I believe the next thing, the next time this thing flashes, it's going to flash right about. And I lifted my hand and pointed up in the trees, and as soon as I pointed and said the word there, it flashed wow. exactly where I was pointing. As if it knew exactly what you were saying. As if it knew exactly what I was saying, and it knew on cue when to flash when I said the word there and when I pointed. Any so, yeah, ha, ha, that was communication. And I don't. It wasn't a language. Mm -hmm. It didn't speak to me or, or show images in my mind or anything. But it let me know that it was a sentient being, whatever it was, because I felt it, and it let me know where it was going to flash next. How does that make you feel all these years later, knowing that you had contact with something or someone that... It, it energized yeah. me, unlike ever before. I mean, that's how I had the the passion to just write these books and stuff and then not give a flying flip about people thinking whatever they're going to think. Uh, I, I don't care. Mm -hmm. People think I'm not whatever, you know. Let them think it. And uh, I've had... Christians, different ones, uh, not that many, on uh, honestly, but mm -hmm. some have accused me of heresies and oh, come propagating on. lies and take my books offline and this and that, you know, And uh, but actually a lot more have told me that uh, they were blessed and benefited because they had similar questions and, or experiences and uh, had difficulty finding someone to talk to about it, and uh, that these are things that tend to get labels put on. Yeah. Uh, just to have a story like that, uh, the tendency is um, most Christians just want to say it's demonic, and they don't want to discuss what other things it could be. They don't; they're not open to discussing it. And but how can how can they call it. that demonic? They when... think it tips it tiptoes over to the occult area and, and oh. the red flag starts going off and or the bell's going off and, mm -hmm. and they don't want to talk about it. And yet, John, uh, so. you and I both know that the Bible is filled with miracles and and paranormal events. And, and yet, how, how can anybody say that what you're writing is demonic? To me, that is... 
That is, oh, come on, give your head a shake. That's that's very low yeah. mentality. And on a, a lighter way of saying it, it's just intellectual laziness. Uh, they don't want to deal with it. They don't want to look at it. It's not anything they have any interest or they care about, even if there's people they know that mm-hmm. uh, might be struggling or have questions with it. They don't want to deal with it. It's just easier to say it's demonic. You oh, know? So, demonic. so so when it, when it comes to uh, the Nephilim in the Bible or... Uh, yeah, the raising of the dead in the Bible, or the, or the you know the splitting of the Red Sea in the Bible. Do they consider that as as miracles, or do they consider that demonic? There's so much variation in the Christian yeah, faith. Yeah, I know I mean, that. You know, a that. lot of people just take all of that and call it symbolic and brush it under the rug and say it didn't even really happen the way people think. Yeah. Uh, or or they'll they'll make excuses for it or. Or whatever, but uh, you know, to actually find somebody who believes definitely those different things happen, and then who's willing to take them and dissect them and and really analyze what's going on, uh, and then place it into a modern context, you know, that's kind of rare. Finding people willing to do that and willing to be open enough to do that, because uh, by today's standards, most people, if they encountered a burning bush like Moses did, they'd just scream and run the other way. Uh, but I'm the kind of guy who's going to go and yeah. look at that. And if I hear something come out of it, I'm going to start talking. Uh, a lot of Christians, again, would immediately label something like that as demonic. Well, let, just, me, let me ask you this. You brought up a very interesting point. Do you think there's any correlation between the burning bush that you just talked about when we look at the time of Moses and the bright, white, luminescent ball that tried that you were communicating with uh i don't think that ball was um god you know? <laughs> uh, but uh i i do believe that there's a number of things that it could have been yeah uh, and i've definitely researched it uh there's something called will of the wisp mm-hmm. uh, and it kind of matches those categories the place where it was living a uh, jungly, swampy area, yeah. and its behavior flashing on and off. You can even see one of those in that cartoon, Brave. Uh, when I saw that cartoon the first time, I was like, what? Look at that thing. That's what I saw. <laughs> right. And, and it's interesting. That, uh, enough people have seen that thing that uh, it is a part of uh, the lore. Uh, I believe that stems from uh, Scotland, and I do actually have roots in Scotland. My name is comes from Scotland. So... Uh- I think it's kind of interesting. It is. And and how does this fit into your your book, uh, Christian Ufology? Well, I would say that that fits just because it's outside of what you could call uh, standard science. You're not going to find that glowing transdimensional life form in any biology book. Uh, but it is something that I saw. It is mm-hmm. something that people, a lot of people would like to say that I hallucinated or no. make up any other explanations to explain it away that it didn't really happen it isn't what i'm saying it is but i know better and that experience opened me up to be able to investigate other things and it also eventually led to me looking at the bible with this kind of view that is probably not uh, average well let me ask you this john in your opinion were angels extraterrestrials or were they the the uh, the messengers of God 
which I guess they could be extraterrestrials because they're not from this planet. So actually, this book, I actually dissect it uh, in, in detail using both theology and uh, sort of a scientific view of it. Uh, I, the summary of answer of that is, uh, by definition, all uh, angels are extraterrestrials, by definition. They're intelligent life forms not native to Earth. Right. Uh, however, uh, not all angels are extraterrestrials. So... Are, uh, all angels are extraterrestrials, but not all extraterrestrials are angels. Because angels fit a particular definition in the Bible. They're immortal beings. You cannot kill an angel through normal, any kind of normal means. It takes the lake of fire to destroy an angel. So if you were to, like, shoot one uh, and blast it and burn it and do everything to try to kill one, they're immortal, completely immortal. The Bible says in Luke twenty thirty six, these beings are so powerful... They cannot die. But why would anyone so, want to kill an angel anyway? Well, a fallen angel you might want to. Oh, okay, but, a uh, fallen angel, right. It, those, those similarly, they cannot die unless they get thrown in the lake of fire, which they will after Judgment Day. But mm -hmm. for now, some of them are running around rogue doing some bad stuff. And uh, they... Unlike the common misconception, they actually are physical beings. They're just transdimensionally shifted. So they can do something with their anatomy, their physiology, their molecular structure to pop up into this existence. But they can shift in and out of this existence just like we can dive in and out of a swimming pool. So it's not native to their environment as far as their dimensional vibration, mm -hmm. but they can pop in and out of here. John, stand by. We've got to take our news break at the bottom of the hour. And Nation, our guest this hour is John Myler. His, uh, here's a couple of websites. ChristianUfology.net, AliensAndTheAntichrist.com, TheStrongDelusion.net, uh, let me see here, aliensinthebible.com, and on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash John Myler, and that's J-O-H-N-M-I-L-O-R. And uh, we'll be back on the other side of this commercial break with the news as we continue here in the Exxon from our broadcast center and studios in Crystal Beach, Ontario, Canada. And to all out there, from my heart to your heart, happy Valentine's Day. have that friend who wakes up early to go get everyone McDonald's breakfast while the rest of us sleep in. This is your sign to thank them. And if you're that friend, this is us saying thank you. Now get a sausage McMuffin, sausage biscuit, sausage burrito, or hash browns. Choose two for $2.50. Enjoy a large iced coffee for just $2. Price of participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Single item at regular price. ba da ba ba, -ba. In this edition of the X-Zone Radio TV show, 
Rob McConnell's guest is John Milaw. John Milaw is an author of 11 published books, and is mostly known for his pioneer research in the emerging field of Christian ufology, which is a combination of ancient astronaut research, and end times prophecy, from a Christian worldview. He has been researching this field for the past 25 years. John's interest in understanding the paranormal began at the age of five, after hearing his great-grandmother's tale of seeing a UFO about 100 years ago. His great-grandmother's tale is unique because she was an exceptionally devout Christian, the wife of a Pentecostal minister for over 50 years. This story and many other otherworldly encounters in his family, have fueled John's quest to research the paranormal. Then when he reached the age of 21, he had a vision that changed his life, and he became a devout Christian. Now John seeks to reconcile all his paranormal research with a Christian worldview. John's latest book, Christian Ufology, was recently selected to be featured in the New York Times. Christian ufology uses the Bible to explain that ETs are in fact real, and they do come from other planets, but that's only part of the story. The Bible also informs us of the big picture regarding the competing agendas of ETs, both good and evil, dating to the ancient past, our present, and the near and distant future. John draws from an extensive academic background. He has two associate degrees, a bachelor, and two master degrees. He also serves in the military as a chief master sergeant, and he is the chief of cyber operations for the United States Western Air Defense Sector. Regarding his military service, he wants it to be crystal clear, no branch of the military officially endorses any of his books. For more information visit John's website, www.christianufology.net. To listen to all past interviews from the X-Zone radio TV show with Rob McConnell, visit www.xzoneuniverse.com. From the master control, studios and corporate offices of Relmar McConnell Media Company, and the X-Zone Broadcast Network, in Crystal Beach, Ontario, Canada, on the shores of Lake Erie, I am, Craig West. Now, here is the host, executive producer and creator of the X-Zone radio TV show, Rob McConnell. And welcome back. That's my Valentine's Day song to my wife, Laura. I know she listens to the show. So there you go, honey. My song to you, Woman by John Lennon. 
My guest this hour is John Myler and his website, well, he's got a number of them, but the one that we're going to, well, here, I'll give you a couple that you can choose from, www.christianufology.net, www.aliensandtheantichrist.com, thestrongdelusion.net, aliensinthebible.com, and on Facebook, John Mylor, and that's J-O-H-N-M-I-L-O-R. John, do you think that we're in the end times that are talked about in the book of Revelation? Oh, yeah. Uh, I do think that. And uh, if anybody had any doubts, 2020 probably made them think it more. Oh, God, yes. (laughs) It was one heck of a year. (laughs) Yeah. And it... I kind of feel like this whole pandemic thing is sort of like a, a push in that direction of uh, definitely something that could be used in terms of uh, moving toward an authoritarian government because uh, what we see here is is something that the government could use to try to force on people. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if you think about it, uh, if you tied in uh, vaccination uh, records to a chip, it would be definitely one more excuse to use to have a, a global identification system. Do you think that would be a bad thing, having a global ID system? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Just because I, I know about the mark of the beast in the Bible, it says that, right. uh, of course, in the Bible, it talks about it being linked to a global economic system. Well... But, I would imagine that there would be multiple uses for it and uh, a lot of buy-in in in order for so many people who want to accept it. Well, Bitcoin's coming out, and that's uh, that's rather getting gaining more and more popularity. And then never, you know, talk about global economy. Hey, your your credit card or your debit card is good right around the world. Mm -hmm. So so, you know, the more the the more that you look at. The book of Revelation as to the end times, and you put the big picture together. You know, it's a, it's a it's a very compelling fact of life. Now, now, but do you think that the end time will be the end time, or will it be a time of realization and reckoning? Well, it won't be the end of the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, it'll be a transition. Uh, to uh, a new phase. Uh, when Jesus comes back, I mean, all these people that talk about uh, heaven on earth and utopia and stuff like that, uh, I mean, Star Trek almost had it right, you know? They had it like, uh, well, we figured it out, you know? We got, we're not fighting with each other anymore, uh, but it's sort of based on humanistic psychology, uh, Gene Rodden's version of it. Uh, the Bible's version of it is, uh, Jesus coming back and putting an end to all of these wars, beating your your weapons into plowshares and, and whatnot, and uh, bringing peace on earth uh, after wiping out the enemy and all of his minions. So the kind of society the Bible describes, uh, it sounds more like, well, there'll be meals, there'll be gatherings, uh, feasts, and things like that. So there will be agriculture, there will be a type of uh, economy. So in very many ways, uh, our government and our world will continue on as it is, but it will be a, a global monarchy. Uh, so 
it'll be pretty interesting. Uh, years ago, I had uh, Pastor Harry on the show, and uh, one of the one of the times he was on, he said, "Rob, do you know what the mark of the beast is?" I said, "Yeah, yeah, six, six, six. And he said, "Nope." I said, "It's not." He's. I said, "Well, what is it then?" He said, "WWW." He was totally convinced that the internet is the root of all evil. Oh, well, that doesn't quite line up with everything because the gospel spreads to the internet. You know, there's a lot of good things going on with the internet too. I, I all evil. I agree with you, but a lot of negative um, misrepresentations, lies, deceit, uh, criminal activity. The spreading of false prophets, you know. True. You know, a lot of spreading of the truth, too, though, yes. uh, in areas where it's, they're trying to shut it up. So it, it's, I would say that it's neutral Okay. You know, overall. It, it can be used for good and evil, just like TV, uh, just like intelligence, for that matter. You can use uh, intelligence for good or yeah. evil. So... Um, yeah, I'm on the fence with that one. All right, so the end time, we talked about that briefly, but where does the Antichrist fit in? Well, if you're looking at the um, the the root of the matter when it comes to the alien abduction phenomenon, there's a recurring theme of genetic manipulation, and uh, you talk to your your average uh, ancient ufologists they'll mm -hmm. tell you, uh, oh, there's like 50 reasons for this. You know, uh, they're they're bringing us into the next stage of evolution. They're they're doing these things to manipulate our DNA to to make us better, to improve us, and this and that. Right? Uh, the Bible actually talks about uh, possible genetic manipulation that happened in the past. Um, there's all kinds of references to the Nephilim. Uh, there's multiple references all over the world of creatures uh, that look like genetic experimentation gone mad. Uh, look at Greek mythology. You know, you got the Minotaur, you got the Centaurs, and, and these aren't just Greeks. You know, mm -hmm. ancient Canaan, uh, the the Canaanite god Baal was actually a Minotaur, and that predates the Greeks. Uh, yeah. So. All right. I, you have okay. these all these genetic freaks, mm -hmm. and then the Nephilim themselves are part angel, part angel, or part angel, part human. Right. But can we uh, actually can yeah. we actually take Greek mythology and put it into the realm of reality if we if if we're if we believe what's in the Bible? Yeah, definitely. How? Uh, especially the Book of Enoch. Okay. Explain yeah, it to me, Lucy. Describes what happened in Genesis six in great detail. Genesis six talks about how the angels came and in, in, they interbred with humans, right? And they begat these hybrid Nephilim. Uh, and the whole point of these Nephilim was to wipe out the world, to destroy the world. And they got so bad that God had to bring the flood of Noah to get rid of them. And even that didn't quite do it. So a global flood mm -hmm. wiped them out. They came back which is telling you they're not from Earth. Uh, they are not uh, a terrestrial of terrestrial origin. They are not the sons of Cain. They came from somewhere else other than Earth. Uh, and they came back even after the flood. Uh, King David fought one, 
the Israelites had to fight them and, and wipe them out when they went into the promised land. And that was the root cause of God sending them into the promised land to completely purge them out uh, from the earth because they were horribly evil. And the whole point of these Nephilim was to try to destroy the world and prevent, prevent the Messiah to come into the world. So he failed, the devil failed, mm -hmm. and what is he doing now? Uh, Jesus said, uh, as the days, uh, uh, he talked about the end times being a return to the days of Noah. Uh, so why would he single out that one point in history to say that we're going to see a return to that particular point in history? Well, what was going on in the days of Noah? All of this craziness mm -hmm. with these angels intermingling in human society with all these half-breeds and trying to wipe us out. So if now here this alien abduction phenomenon. We got people getting half-breed children taken out of their wombs during abductions and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. I think that they're experimenting on us to try to create a new Nephilim, like 2.0, and the Antichrist will be their masterpiece. Uh, you know, that that's... That... I, I understand where you're coming from, John, but why aren't there any of these hybrids being born that we can document to say, look, here's the proof? Who says that there isn't? Uh, they're so close to human, you might not even be able to genetically tell. Uh, you do have oddities like mm -hmm. RNA um, or like, like the, uh, they call that... Uh, the, the factor you have in your blood that, that makes uh, your child, uh, you have an allergic reaction to your own child. Uh, the RH factor? The, yeah, because of that. Right. Uh, so some people point to that being possibility of genetic manipulation hmm. uh, because it's not normal for a person to be allergic to their own baby. All right, stand uh, by, John. We've got to take our final break. Exo Nation, John Myler's our guest. And uh, when we come back, we're going to be wrapping up this hour here in the Exxon with yours truly, Rob McConnell from our broadcast center and studios in Crystal Beach, Ontario, Canada. To one and all, happy Valentine's Day. that friend who wakes up early to go get everyone McDonald's breakfast but the rest of us sleep in this is your sign to thank them and if you're that friend this is us saying thank you now get a sausage McMuffin sausage biscuit sausage burrito or hash browns choose two for $2.50 enjoy a large iced coffee for just $2 price of participation may vary cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal single item at regular price ba -da -ba -ba -ba. Geico asks, how would you love a chance to save some money on insurance? Of course you would. And when it comes to great rates on insurance, Geico can help. Like with insurance for your car, truck, motorcycle, boat, and RV. Even help with homeowners or renters coverage. Plus, add an easy-to-use mobile app, available 24-hour roadside assistance and more, and Geico is an easy choice. Switch today and see all the ways you could save. It's easy. Simply go to geico.com or contact your local agent today. 
This is the Exxon. I am Rob McConnell. Our guest this hour is John Myler. And first of all, John, I want to thank you so much for joining us. And congratulations on your new book, my friend. And please, my very best to your son. And I hope that he is uh, on the road to health and wellness in the very near future. Okay. Yeah. Thank you very much. Um, in your opinion, what has been the most significant UFO event in the last 20 years? Oh, gee. <laughs> there have been a lot. And uh, the ones that happened in 2015 uh, might might be that. Uh, mainly, and I talk about that in the beginning of Christian ufology, uh, it, it's because during the pandemic and all of this stuff that's going on, the Navy just came out and straight up said, there's stuff out there doing circles around our most advanced equipment, and we don't know what it is. Now you're talking about the Tic Tac event, right? Mm-hmm. And the Navy's talking, and there was a pilot that went and testified before Congress, and he's still wearing uh, his rank. Mm-hmm. Uh, he still has clearance. He was not reprimanded. He didn't have visit- men in black visiting him, telling him he's going to end up in a field uh, somewhere in an unmarked, you know. Um, the military has changed their stance on it. Uh, so that is incredibly significant in 2020 for the military to do a 180 because they've been the king of denial all mm-hmm. this time. Now suddenly, the things that are happening, they can't hide it anymore. I think that the UFOs have stepped up their game to the point that uh, the military has decided to come out with this because it would do more damage to the public to be taken by surprise uh, than, uh, than to try to continue to keep it a secret. Why do you think the the Air Force or any other branch of the military hasn't come out with their own sightings? Why is it only the Navy and the Tic Tac event? I don't think they're all on the same sheet of music. Uh, and I, I've read books about that, how there's different divisions, with, mm-hmm. uh, different branches in the military. Uh, the Air Force has their own uh, connections and ET contacts, possibly, uh, and that uh, they're not necessarily on the same sheet of music with the ones that the Navy are in contact with. But a, a lot of that is just speckled with conjecture, so it's really hard to tell what's what. Uh, but what I can say is the Navy came forward because these pilots were scared. Uh, they, they were getting buzzed in their aircraft, and it was routinely creating safety incidents that people were about to get killed. And they didn't want to keep brushing it under the rug or treating it lightly anymore, and so they went forward with it officially. And uh, I think the Air Force, you know, since the Roswell days, they had been brushing this under the rug, and they're just not so willing to come forward with anything. 
but the Navy got sick of it, and they just decided to do it. So, and they don't answer to each other. So, you know, they all answer to the Secretary of Defense, and apparently the Secretary of Defense allowed this to continue to go through and get into public channels. Do you think there's going to be any any surprises or any disclosures now that Biden is the president of the U.S.? Um, I have no idea. Uh, no idea whatsoever. Why, why, in your opinion, haven't the ETs just landed a multiple landing, one in front of the White House, one in front of Parliament Hill here in Canada, one in front of the... The Kremlin, one in front of Big Ben, and the other, uh, the Champs Elysees in France, and and just get it over with for goodness' sake. We're here, you can't dispute it. Ta da! So that's where the Bible comes into play, and um, the Bible has answers to questions like that. And um, like your last question, I didn't mention it uh, about what are these, what are they doing nowadays. Then I mentioned the Nephilim and a return to the mm-hmm. Nephilim activity for the Antichrist, but that actually goes back to Genesis 3, uh, 15, 3.15. It talks about the seed of the woman. It's the first prophecy about Jesus, who is the biological son of God, and the seed of the serpent, and how the seed of the woman will crush the head of the seed of the serpent. If the seed of the woman was a biological son, an actual physical biological seed, why would the seed of the serpent not also be a physical biological seed? It makes no sense. It would be an inconsistent interpretation of that scripture to suggest anything else than that. So Satan will actually have a biological seed, and that's why I believe uh, that, they're, I, that they're up to. That's what they're doing. Uh, and uh, just like what you just now said, uh, regarding why aren't they coming here now? Well, yeah. the Bible's answer to that is found in Second Thessalonians, uh, chapter two, where it talks about a restrainer that's preventing the Antichrist from moving on in force into this world and being revealed. Uh, there is a power in the heavenly realm. I believe it's what I call the first heaven, and that's the upper atmosphere surrounding the earth, dimensionally shifted but it is an actual realm there. There's living beings there. There's an entire society there. And there's beings there that are ruling in power that are keeping other things from breaking through into this atmosphere. So it's limited. There's like a power struggle going on in the heavenly realms. And when these things do break through, they're maybe taking a big chance uh, because this is a protected world right now. And it's also possibly quarantined. So there's powerful beings on both sides of the spectrum, and uh, there's real, there's a power base that is here right now that is protecting us from that, It's and it's referred to in the Bible as a restrainer, and that's why. So I, I, I thought that during the time, uh, the end times, the Antichrist would be walking the earth. So if the Antichrist is being kept away, how can we be in the end time? The Antichrist might actually be here. Okay. Um, he might be. He might be, and uh, the Bible actually pinpoints his location. He'll be geographically coming from the probably Syria. It could be Lebanon, but probably Syria. Uh, and he could be alive now. So there's, there's nothing preventing that. It's just that he won't be revealed until the restrainer is removed. So how will the people 
be able to tell the truth during the end times? Uh, it's going to be kind of hard uh, just because uh, if the rapture happens first, that's what I believe, but I'm not going to, you know, make that my uh, ultimate you know, hey, I'm going to follow my sword on this particular stance. Uh, I'm kind of open to multiple interpretations, but I think the rapture will happen first. If it does happen first, then the people who definitely know about all of this stuff uh, are going to be yanked off of the earth. So the earth will be in a vacuum, and the only people left to pick up the pieces were going to be the people who remembered uh, those people who were here telling them, hey, there's going to be this huge event coming uh, and so knowing that, they're going to go find a Bible and start reading it and try to, you know, pick up the pieces and figure it out. So those would be the people, I would imagine, who rejected the truth when they had it, uh, but who are going to start looking at it and understanding it once the, after the rapture happens. During these times, John, uh, being in the end time, a lot of people are showing greater interest in the dark side of the paranormal, the demons, demonology. Is this another sign that we're in the end time? It's definitely uh, another sign. The, the entire world is becoming increasingly darker, so much so that uh, a lot of things are like backwards. Hmm. Uh, you know, honestly, the... Uh, Christian worldview, um, it, it would be, uh, I, I feel kind of like a dinosaur, you know, uh, it just totally out of place that, you know, for people to have actual conservative beliefs and values these days, it's becoming increasingly rare. Hmm. So how do we prepare ourselves for the end time? Uh, prayer. I would say is a big one. Uh, just simply talking to God and reaching out to him is probably the best thing anybody can do. Spending time every morning, first part of the day, just sit there and talk to God and uh, give yourself some quiet time to try to hear his voice and uh, read the Bible. Uh, start with that. You know, start cultivating a relationship with God. Reach out, start seeking. Uh, that's your number one, uh, my number one advice. You've got so many projects on the go. I understand that you're also working on a movie called The Gathering. Tell us about that. Uh, yeah, I uh, published another book called The Gathering. Mm -hmm. uh, it's about... Uh, I'll say the log line for it. It's the epic journey of the animals to Noah's Ark. So this is uh, not your typical kid's book. It's um, over four, it's like 350 pages. So it's, it's a novel, actually. But uh, it's richly illustrated, got tons of colorful graphics in it. Uh, and uh, the chapters are really small. It's designed to read as a, daily de uh, as a weekly devotional. Mm -hmm. So you read one chapter a week and you finish it in a year because it's got 52 chapters. Right. And uh, each chapter has a piece of the story with a picture and then uh, scriptures at the end on how the story metaphorically ties into the Bible. And then so by reading this story, it gets you in the Bible and you actually go through all of these different stories in the Bible 
so the parents can read the commentary at the end of each chapter and pick and choose which of those items out of the commentary that they could talk to their kids about and explain how that ties into the story. Uh, I mean, just for starters, the main character is a lion and his name is Judah. So uh, anybody who knows the Bible knows that Jesus is symbolically referred to as the lion of the tribe of Judah. So it, it's packed with that kind of uh, symbolic connections through the whole story from beginning to the end. And then the story itself is based on the backstory of Genesis 7:15, uh, the animals going to Noah of their own accord. It doesn't say that Noah had to go out and round these animals up. He couldn't have. He was building the boat, and uh, he was preaching to people. Uh, so it said the animals went unto Noah. So to that, to me, that actually just screamed for a story that needed to be written, and it shocks me that nobody had uh, uh, ever identified that as an actual story. Here's an animal story in the Bible that's based on an event that the Bible and hundreds of other co ancient cultures around the world say this event happened. How come we have not written this cartoon yet? And uh, it's actually a cartoon also. I'm trying to... Uh, uh, pitch it as a cartoon to Christian faith publishers, and uh, if they select it, then they will make it into an animated feature. Well, we wish you the very best of luck, John. As always, the hour goes by so fast when you're with us. Again, thanks for taking time out of your busy schedule to join us here. Continued success, and I look forward to the next time you and I meet back here in the X-Zone. Okay. Thank you very much for having me on again. It's always a great pleasure, John. Regards to your family, and stay safe, my friend. All right. Blessings to you. Keep getting better. All right. Thanks, pal. And Exo Nation, if you'd like to find out more about our guest this hour, John Miller, here's a couple of websites, christianufology.net, aliensandtheantichrist.com. Uh, let me see here, thestrongdelusion.net, aliensinthebible.com, and on Facebook, John Millar, and that's M-I-L-O-R, J-O-H-N-M-I-L-O-R. I'll be back on the other side of this commercial break with the news as we continue here in the X-Zone with yours truly, Rob McConnell, from our broadcast center and studios at Crystal Beach, Ontario, Canada. Don't go away. have that friend who wakes up early to go get everyone McDonald's breakfast while the rest of us sleep in. This is your sign to thank them. And if you're that friend, this is us saying thank you. Now get a sausage McMuffin, sausage biscuit, sausage burrito, or hash browns. Choose two for $2.50. Enjoy a large iced coffee for just $2. Price of participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Single item at regular price. Ba -da -ba -ba -ba. 